Welcome to No Clip, the podcast that's like a book club for people who don't think books reward them enough for being good at them. I'm Chad Rutherman's. And I'm Andy Kinnick. And today, we're going to be talking about Luigi's Mansion 3, which was developed by Next Level Games, published by Nintendo, and was released in 2019 on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, but first... If you could give us a like or a rating, if you like the content, it would be greatly appreciated. Thank you. Uh, Luigi's Mansion 3 is... It's a hardcore survival horror game. This is like a, a, a puzzle adventure game, is how I would yeah. describe it. It's got the feel of like a Halloween special for like a non scary television show but not like the boy meets world halloween special where everybody dies exactly yeah yeah did you watch boy meets world no but i watched that episode which was weird yeah um i liked it as a kid and i remember that episode very vividly like one of the kids gets killed with a pencil through the forehead (laughs) and i will always remember that so the tone of this game is not that dark which should say something that it is not as dark as a was that a disney channel show i think so yeah um and i mean it's it's well in line with like nintendo's branding i think Mm -hmm. uh yeah, happy Halloween, I suppose. <laughs> Belated. Yeah, it does have that Halloween flavor to it, though, which is kind of why we decided to talk about it mm-hmm. on November the 8th. <laughs> At the time of recording. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, this is obviously a sequel. Uh, you can tell because there's a three in the title. Mm-hmm. Um, the previous game, uh, Luigi's Mansion Dark Moon, I never played. Me neither. Okay. Uh, But I did play the original uh, Luigi's Mansion on release, and I I remember it being something I really liked. I remember playing the demo at the kiosk at Toys R Us. Hell yeah. I I never owned a GameCube, so I never played the original, but it's always been one that I remembered. Um, I think it's partly because of the visuals and also the fact that they just made luigi like a ghostbuster yeah it's always stood out as like really interesting to me that they just lifted that concept straight (laughs) up but no one ever really comments on that it is true how ghostbustery like the like the the poltergeist and originally the poltergeist i think it was three thousand yeah something thousand and now it's the poltergeist g zero zero or goo or goo uh is so much like a proton pack it's it's they're like the only distinguishing factor is that a proton pack shoots a laser beam and this is a vacuum cleaner right and i mean obviously this is more like of a utilitarian device it does a lot more than a proton pack does uh-huh. but visually it's strikingly similar oh, yeah. you're just sucking up ghosts into a little trap I guess the copyright on Ghostbusters covers, like, name and likenesses, but not... Even the ghosts in this game are kind of Ghostbustery. Yeah, like Slimer-esque, yeah. like, neon colors. They, they've got that aura. Mm-hmm. You can't trademark ghosts. No. They're too real. <laughs> uh... Yeah, I don't know. I I feel like most people listening to this or just aware of games generally understand the tone of Luigi's Mansion. We probably don't need to like right. 
super dive into it. Um, but this being a sequel, there really isn't a whole lot connected to the previous games outside of like the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the premise of Luigi's Mansion One was that the Mario brothers were given a mansion and Mario went to check it out and never came back. And so Luigi went to go find him. Mm-hmm. And that's where he ran into professor Egad and shit. And it's Mario's missing too. Yeah. And this is a uh, hotel Mario too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and then like the only continuity is just that Egad is back mm-hmm. and that you're still using the poltergeist. Uh, and I'm guessing that Polter Puppy was introduced in Dark Moon. Yeah. Polter Pup or whatever he's called. Yeah. He needs a better name. Too too bad. That's not going to happen. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It sounds kind of like Polter Gust. So that's just what they're going to go with, I guess. Yeah. See, Polter... So, okay. Here's my first criticism of this game. Its wordplay is... Bird goes from being bad to non-existent and it's and it's not there in really frustrating places <laughs> and uh where it is there it's terrible so like polter pup isn't a pun it's a pun on another pun it's the waluigi of puns uh because poltergust poltergeist it's there mm-hmm. it makes sense it's amazing uh, super good job, Nintendo. Two thousand one, whenever the original game came out. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And then Polter Pup, Polter Kitty don't mean well, anything. Polter Kitty is like even five times worse. Than yeah, Polter Pup, <laughs> that's so. a third step removed now from the actual <laughs> word. Yeah. Uh, and then there were things I like I can't think of another ghost prefix <laughs> than Polter. <laughs> Apparently. I bet, give me like one minute and I could workshop a better name than Poultry Kitty. Well, let's not do that on air because that that won't make for good podcasting. (laughs) It's one minute of just silence. Yes. But then you have things like Tomb Sweets, which to me feels like Toot Sweet. Mm-hmm. But it's it isn't like I don't think that's what they were going for because every floor is named something sweets unless it's like not a room's room. Uh huh. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, I didn't really think about it much. <laughs> it's it consumed <laughs> my brain. <laughs> you have creative differences with Nintendo of America or whoever <laughs> localized this. Uh, I don't know. Uh, yeah, I it just kind of like was a whatever kind of thing for me, except for like the really bad ones stood out. Yeah. But yeah, let's uh, move on. Okay. Because it's, <laughs> this is a terrible uh, thing to be talking about. Uh, the premise of this game itself is that, and I have like one thing on this, and then I think everything else that we talk about is going to have to be like mechanical because the game does not have a ton of story. Uh-huh. Uh Mario, Peach, Luigi, and three random toads right. uh, are just going on a vacation that they were invited to, and it turns out to be a trap in a big hotel, like mm-hmm. a swanky, nice hotel. And the game does such a good job, I think, of selling the like visual swankiness of the hotel in, like, even after it becomes horrible, they do a great job of, like establishing the environments uh and 
due at least in part to the fact that they were able to repeat a lot of stuff because hotels by definition have a lot of same looking rooms Mm -hmm. uh they get to like expand and give like a new visual flair to every floor that you go to and i really liked that yeah i would agree with that um there's a nice yeah as you said like there's an it's just like the way the game starts when you're just like in the lobby is like a really good establishment of like the what the hotel looks like i think things like the lighting and texturing really go a long way to making it feel like fancy and nice yeah. in the parts where they want it to like it looks all like shiny and pristine and uh yeah and it it creates like a a really good atmosphere i think and they are able to change it in subtle ways from floor to floor but i think you're you're totally right like the visual theming is one of the strong parts of this game yeah but you walk into the hotel in that lobby scene and like it's this big thing and uh i want to go back to a podcast that we recorded maybe four years ago Mm-hmm. Three or four years ago. I don't exactly remember when this was. When we made a joke, and I don't I think this wasn't even related to the episode itself. It was like an after the episode stinger bit. Uh-huh. Where we were talking about how Mario only ever says like five phrases, uh, and that just appears to be the extent of the English that he knows. Mm-hmm. And like the I think the joke was like if Mario is, like, unenthused about something, and he has to pick from the same set of, like, vocabulary terms that he has, does he still say them just in an unexcited way? So, like, you're like, Mario, do you want to go somewhere that you're not super excited about? And he'd be like, mm, let's go. <laughs> and this game establishes that, yes, that is exactly what they do. Every time that anyone says anything in this game, it is a series of canned phrases that are just changed in, like, their level of enthusiasm, depending on what's going on. Yeah, it feels almost like the more modern version of the way they made Mario communicate in um, Mario RPG. Where he just would communicate by, like, jumping up and down and, like, moving all over the place. Right. And, like, they just used his motion to convey, like, how enthused or upset or whatever emotion it was. And now they do it, but with voice clips. Like, this, yeah, like you said, they have, like, five things that Mario says, and then they just change the inflection to express himself. (laughs) Yeah, it's absolutely... it It is, like... When you when you start the game and are listening to this opening, you are in a Mario game, and you know that you're in a Mario game, and you expect him to say "Let's go, it's a me," that kind of thing, mm-hmm. or just his name, yeah, <laughs> or the other characters' names, whatever. Yeah. All of that's fine. But when he does it through the whole game. And you start to, like... Because this game is nothing like a Mario game in, like, the traditional sense. Mm -hmm. And 
if you step away from it, like mentally, for even a second, it is like a fever dream listening to these people. Like, if you just knew, if you somehow didn't know anything about Mario and someone just played you an audio recording of like this opening cutscene, it would just sound like you had gone insane. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it is, cr- and I wish that I remembered more of the opening cutscene. Maybe we can like throw in right here like five seconds of just like people talking Mm -hmm. to get this across because it is it is wild and it made me pay hyper close attention to every line of dialogue and i think it improved the experience for me Yeah, it's it's something when like as you were getting at like if you're familiar with Mario, you don't really even think about it. Mm-hmm. But like thinking back on it now, like it is really weird cuz that opening sequence goes on for like quite a while. Oh yeah. And it you'll hear those same things like over and over again. Uh um... It's a me, let's a go. <laughs> Mario. Mario. He some, doesn't some even kind of really do that, that in this game, which is sad because there was definitely like a press X to Jason button <laughs> in the original game. Like you could just call Mario's name whenever. Well, Got to change the name of that trope. Yeah, press <laughs> press X to Mario. Right, whichever button it yeah. was, I don't even remember. But but yeah, so there isn't a, a ton of like dialogue, but what is there is like crazy and. I kind of love it. I love the commitment to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, it really is only at the beginning, though, that there's a lot of dialogue. Like, I think Egad's the only one that really talks a lot throughout the rest of the game, and he speaks in, like, Midna-esque gibberish. Yeah. Yeah, there's, like, a weird language that they've established. And it's not unusual, like, the... Mario games just as a whole, like most NPC, like voiced characters have sort of like a, uh, not Banjo-Kazooie level where like the dialogue is a repeated noise. Mm -hmm. It's like mimics language. It's like Simlish to some extent. Yeah. Uh, and so I kind of expect that. Mm -hmm. Like I know with Midna's voice, uh, from Twilight Princess, if you're unfamiliar, um, I think they had the actual actress record the lines and then they like would reverse them and like chop them up. Like I think she'd voice them like for the Japanese release, voice them like in English and then they like reversed and chopped them and so it made it sound real like alien to like a Japanese speaking audience and right. they probably did that with other languages and other places. Yeah, I wanted to say it was reversed Korean, but now that I'm th- I think that's actually the Lady Raincorn speech uh, from Adventure Time, is that? That sounds right. There are a lot of very creative ways to make gibberish, yeah. and those are at least two of them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like it's more of an efficiency thing than it is a creative choice. Yeah. I mean, because you don't have like the to... computer can just scramble it. And the benefit of it is that, like, and I, I liked this in um, the Helen Gravely boss encounter. Uh,. She has, like, a speech that she gives before the boss fight because it's a video game. Mm -hmm. And in it, she talks, like, 
you it makes her sound like she is speaking a language so there's like a cadence and flow to the things she says which is better than just like actual random gibberish would have been mm-hmm. um there's like a scene where she it's says like well based, well well yeah it's and based like, on an actual script right yeah and that's really good like I, I like the the way that they did that um even if i like occasional weird english dialogue by the marvelous charles martin of course yeah better. mario and luigi and peach all have to stay the same and they're never allowed to change <laughs> <laughs> but everything else this game was entirely a ploy to just get enough clips of Charles Martinet saying things in different in inflections. In case he dies. That way, yeah, like we can continue having him voice Mario well into the 3000s. Mm-hmm. Uh, Nintendo's got their priorities straight. <laughs> uh, do you have anything else that you want to say about how what this game does to expand Mario lore? <laughs> um... Not in- exactly. I do really like when they do games with the mainline Mario characters that aren't just Mario games, just to see, like, especially with like something like this, where, as you were saying, it feels like more like of a grounded, consistent world than Mario usually does when you're just kind of like moving from, you know fantasy video game location to fantasy video game location right so it's cool to have the consistent hotel with like the spooky theming um yeah and it's just it's cool to see the mario characters in a, a, a environment with a different feel like that so I, I always find that to be pretty novel and amusing yeah and this is definitely a cake and eat it situation for sure uh because they do have this this might go into my next thing, uh, and if it does, we'll just let it ride. Um, I do have actually I have one other thing on Mario lore, and then we'll go into that. Uh, there's a sequence at the end of the game where you free Mario from a painting, and then you run up with him up the top of the building to fight the final boss. Mm-hmm. And they're acting like my boy Luigi can't jump. Like at like jump is practically the dude's last name. Mm-hmm. And- well, and. Luigi can actually jump higher than Mario can. <laughs> yeah, like that's like the established thing. But what it makes me feel like, and like this is, I'm taking into account like Luigi's Super Smash Brothers Ultimate design, mm-hmm. this game, and just like other portrayals of Luigi's recently. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, in terms of his jump, like Mario Brothers 2 and uh, 3D World, he controls that way where he jumps higher and is a bit floatier than Mario. I actually forgot about 3D World. That's so recent. I was going to suggest that maybe going forward, they're going to start establishing Luigi as like a different, like a more different person than Mario. And the way that they're doing that is by making him like not the athletic one. Mm. Like he doesn't jump in any game where he doesn't have to. Uh I mean, that feels like it would make sense, but I don't think that's the case. They couldn't if they keep no. letting him be a player, too. You yeah. Know? Um, I think it's only specifically that they want to do that with Luigi's Mansion. And it, it stands out, I think, because, at least in my mind, um, with the context of something like Captain Toad, where the whole shtick there is that you can't jump and they give a visual indicator with the big heavy backpack. Like, they give an explanation for why he can't. But in this, they don't do that. And 
it it makes you question it like when they don't give a reason for it i think especially when you have the move that's the uh the little explodey like yeah i was calling it like gust i don't know if that's actually what it is the gust jump thing or it's like oh if you need to do like a jumpy move you hit you do this and the vacuum blows you up like just say that the vacuum is really heavy yeah (laughs) or something and it weighs luigi down like that's all you need to do right like establish something to make it yeah. not make sense, especially when they contrast it so explicitly yeah. with Mario doing the kick jumps up yep. the up the side of the building. Mm-hmm. They they they're calling attention to it. Yeah, and like I would say it's lampshading it, except they don't. Except Luigi can only say, "Oh no, <laughs> let's go," and it's a me. Like those are the only things that he can. So he can't say. I sure wish I could do that. Mm-hmm. Wink at the camera. Like, <laughs> there's just like a disconnect because if they wanted to do it as a joke, they should have made it more clear. Yeah. Uh, but instead, it, it's just played out like it's assumed that Luigi isn't going to be able to do that. Yeah. They just they ignore it the whole game until the end there. And like, that's what calls it into question. <laughs> yeah. It's very strange. Uh, but yeah. So what I was going to mention was the pacing of the game. Uh, and that, I guess, kind of ties in, uh, but it definitely was more appropriate when I was originally going to say Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, this game starts very slow and builds slowly. And that build, like, the, the part of this game that is the chain lift of the roller coaster uh-huh. going to the top of the hill is the best part of this game. And then it goes over the hill and you go, why did I get on this ride? <laughs> and that might be a little bit strong of a statement. I mm-hmm. didn't hate the end of the game, but I feel like the strengths of Luigi's Mansion are in its visuals, its it sounds. I want to do like a whole talk about how good the sound design is, mm-hmm. uh, and it's like atmosphere. The fact that it puts you in this weird situation and you're going around, sneaking around, looking for stuff, solving little puzzles, and then when they put you in a pyramid, suddenly <laughs> you're like, oh, what happened here? <laughs> this is a very different location than what would be in a hotel, right? Uh. Yeah, I don't disagree with that. Um, I, I I liked the game all the way through. I think this is maybe shifting to a slightly different spin on the same topic. But um, I, I thought it had a few instances where the game felt like it was clearly padded for length. And those were the weak parts. But um, I, I agree. I like the progression at the beginning where it's like the fifth floor is in like the first... Um, lobby floor and like the second floor are all like places in an actual hotel right like the fifth floor is like a regular floor the you know lobby is a lobby and then you have like the kitchen and things on like the first floor and then you have like the shopping center like you know it like is there's like an escalation of like actual like locations that would be in a real hotel and it gets more fantastical the more it goes Mm mm-hmm and I think that progression makes it work, but it does get to the point where, yet, like as you said, there's a pyramid, there's a whole floor that's like an ocean with a pirate ship. <laughs> uh, if you're gonna have that, you probably want to put it in the in the basement right. where it can't leak down to the other floors. 
But uh, this is a Nintendo game. Well, I mean, if we want to, <laughs> if we want to criticize hotel man- management, I do want to throw out that their expensive master suite uh-huh. is one, one floor, one floor above a dance hall. Right? Yeah, the dance like, hall. I would be so pissed if I pay. First of all, Maybe? the master suite has toilet paper rolls made out of cash. Right. They are paying a huge amount to be woken up the whole night by people dancing below them. Maybe they just have that good a soundproofing. It could be. That's like their. Uh, that's their Dairy Queen turn the blizzard upside down. <laughs> They're like, look, we we're having a dance party downstairs right now. You hear that? Nothing. Not a sound. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> the 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 finest uh, hotels. You will not be disturbed in your room, guaranteed. Unless, like, a plane goes by, because apparently it's, like, a four-mile-tall hotel. Yes. Uh, You were saying about the, uh, the, it's a Nintendo game, and they put an ocean on the 15th Yeah, so, like, I don't really mind it. I think enough of it hit that spot for me that, like, getting to the more fantastical things later on was fun in Mm -hmm. the change of pace, so... uh, so I, I thought it was fine, but I, I it would have been, I think, cool in like a um, talked about this when we talked about Symphony of the Night, where it all takes place in one castle, and it feels like they really milked that concept because mm. most of the locations like make sense to be in a castle, and I just found that to be really impressive, and it could have been cool to see them push themselves to do that here, where all the floors actually like made at least some sense to be in the hotel. <laughs> yeah. But this approach is also cool and fun, so I'm fine with it. Yeah, because the, the assumption has to be, physically speaking, that every floor is just, like, very tall for the most part. Because mm-hmm. you do end up with, like, like the castle in this game, like, oh, yeah, has but... a coliseum in it, uh, which is another thing. They really mix their, like, tropes a lot here. And this this is what makes me it makes me think of like old Super Nintendo games that all had to have like a space level and the dinosaur level and mm-hmm. the lava level. They were all just there. In this game, like you end up with your castle level and your Egypt level and your pirate ship level. But like the Egypt levels boss has like Medusa vibes, which is not an Egyptian thing really <laughs> yeah. at all. Uh and it's like they try and stuff things together. You have the Colosseum and the castle, which I guess may have been like a jousting ring. Yeah, that's give what him. I thought it was. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the mm. boss even rides a horse. Like he's a jousting. Knight. Oh, he's a he's a jousting knight. I forgot. Uh, it it feels like it was so long ago that I did the <laughs> the. But yeah, he is, and they, and then there are also arrows that shoot at you. I'm remembering yeah. this boss now. Yeah. No, no, I know what you mean, though. Like, they do, and I think that's just the way you have to do fiction if you don't want it to just feel, like, super generic and derivative. It's like you have to mix themes, like, mix and match, and uh, to make things feel like their own and distinct. Right. Yeah, I, I just feel like... The early floors, the floors that I really liked, mm-hmm. are really bottom-up game design, where they th- say, like, in this game, you have a vacuum cleaner that can do this, this, and this, and a flashlight, and gooey, gooey mm-hmm. uh, and you're in a hotel, 
So what do you do in a hotel that would be fun to play with with these mechanics? And then the further up you go, the more it becomes top-down game design where they think, all right, we want to do an Egypt level. Gotta have a pyramid, and then what do we do with that? Oh, like sand deformation physics, like, and then they work down from there and like pick out all the mechanical elements. And I think that the, and I think Nintendo's strength as a whole, the reason why a lot of their games are so abstract, like physically, is because they are really good at that bottom up design. And I realize that this is made by Next Level Games, and so it's kind of a moot point here. But heavy, they have like a lot of input. Yeah, heavy, heavy, heavy input from Nintendo. Yeah. If it, and on on a Luigi's Mansion game. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's kind of my thoughts. I thought this game was paced strangely. I felt like it was really strong when it was a slower game, and then when things started to ramp up, it became a little bit worse. And yes, the. Pa- the padding was very bad. Both instances where you have to chase Polter Kitty around mm-hmm. were... That's the kind of padding that makes me, like, angry. Like, I'm like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. It's the same as the last time. There wasn't really any difference between the two encounters. And it was, like, the same fucking cutscene plays where it jumps out <laughs> of the stupid elevator panel. Mm-hmm. And I'm... I don't know. it that I hate that, and... Those parts are the worst parts of the game. Yeah, I also disliked having to go back to the basement floor too. Like, I I even kind of like the idea of returning to floors you've already been to mm-hmm. to do something else, but it's the execution is bad. Um, something about that that way of framing it, where like the cat just pops out of the elevator and takes the thing and runs away is annoying. Yeah. If they could come up with a better reason for you to go back, I think that actually could have been fun. The game does have a reason for you to go back, and I didn't know when I wanted to drop this particular tidbit in, uh-huh. but uh, I finished this game last night, and I finished it with all booze, all gems. Like, I completed the game to the extent that I was able to. Mm-hmm. And the gems I will talk about are, like, arguably my favorite part of this game, which is weird of a collectible. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I thought that they were just, like, the puzzles around them and the hunt for them was really engaging and it was well-designed. And it adds sort of a layer of difficulty to the the traversal that just isn't there in the main game. Uh and I thought the gems were a 100% legitimate reason to go back to other floors. And they include unique encounters when you do it. So you go back to a floor and, like, you go back to the castle floor. And when you get out in the jousting ring, there's, like, three uh, goobs who are, like, posing uh, on the pedestals. And, like, they fight you if you come into the ring. Like, they're, like, defending their turf. And then there are people who are throwing garbage at you from the stands as, like, spectators. It's, like, a whole, like, little mini narrative. If you go back to the stage, they're performing, like, a ballet. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they do a lot. And it makes me think that somebody was, like, we're going to make the ghosts valets. And they were, like, <laughs> like with tutus and stuff. And they're, like, not ballet. Valet. <laughs> it's a hotel. And they thought it was so funny. They just ran with it. <laughs> but all that stuff is really good and a reason to go back. And a not good reason to go back is shining a light and following footprints on the floor. 
it, where you can't turn left and right when you're doing it. <laughs> it's really annoying. Yeah, I, I would agree that like the gems and to a lesser extent the booze are much lesser i agree are are great collectibles and incentivize you to like go back through the hotel and explore at your own pace um but i think if they explicitly want to add like a narrative thing like to extend the length of the game to like actually require you to go back to a place they it could have been done in a way that was actually good and interesting and this is like the lazy way to do it yeah yeah it it does feel lazy like it's I want to say it's inexcusably lazy coming from, like... Especially, like, the thing that drives me the most nuts about it is one of the floors they have you return to for it is the the garden plant um, floor. Yeah. And that one's just, like, a linear climb, and there's no, like, real room for variation or anything different when you return there. It was, like, the worst floor they could have picked to have you go back to. Yeah. You just do exactly the same thing twice. Yeah. By climbing back up the, the, the thing. And also, once you get to a certain point up the plant in that room, in the atrium, it's, mm-hmm. like, faster to go... Because if you fall... You have to fall in a prescribed location, otherwise you just you take respawn. damage and respawn. Yeah, so you like it's faster to complete the whole thing. So you end up doing the entire level twice, uh, just in the main course of the game. I did it three times because I went back to get a gem that yeah. was in a, a sufficiently high enough room that I had to do it again. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a questionable decision, and I. If I was questioned about it, my answer would be no, don't do it. <laughs> yeah, I think the game would be stronger without it, but I can understand from, like, it's one of those things that feels like a business decision. Like, mm-hmm. this is a AAA game that we're charging 60 bucks for. Like, if we can get it to this length, then do it. Yeah. Kind of a thing. I actually, I didn't check to see what my playtime was on this at the end. I think for me it was, like, 10 hours. Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Okay, maybe I read it wrong, but I was doing some math. I thought that when I picked it up the last time I checked, I was at eight hours. Mm. And if that's the case, then this would have taken me about 16. I did get all the stuff, which could have been... Yeah, I'm very much not a completionist, so Mm -hmm. if I did not get all the gems on the first run through, I did not go back to get them. Yeah, well, for me, I guess I used to be more of a completionist, and like I've gotten... I still enjoy doing it, but I've gotten older. But then also, I don't know if people know this, but games are, like, real big now. (laughs) Yep, they sure are. (laughs) Like, games where you care about completing everything have now loaded so much stuff into them to complete that it just, like, never feels worth the effort. Yeah, like, for me, and I know it's just, like, a difference in, like, preferences and things, but, like, for me... If I tried to, like, even, like, in my favorite game, something like Kingdom Hearts 1, like, that I've just dumped, like, hundreds of hours into, uh, I get to about, like, 85% of things found, like, max, and then it just becomes no fun to do anymore. Right. Like, I just, I'm not the kind of person that can push themselves to do everything. And that's why I'm glad that this game has not just, like, the gem finder cartridges that you can buy that'll put a little thing on your map where the gem is or what room it's in. Uh, 
but it also doesn't have like a collectible that's like golden bananas right like it's not like a bunch of them there's just like a million things and the majority if not all of them are not required for completion so it just like the gems are special enough and there are few enough of them that it feels good to seek them out Mm -hmm. uh talking from my perspective whereas like um like grand theft auto 4's shoot 200 pigeons which i cite as the achievement that broke me of that habit (laughs) of wanting to complete things i was like nope like this is pointless irritating and stupid and so i just quit and like that was the thing where i was like well i didn't do it in that game so why would i have to do it ever again yeah the, the gems hit like a nice spot where I want to make another comparison to Kingdom Hearts because I'm me. Um, But, like, the treasure chests in Kingdom Hearts, all completely optional, but there aren't so many that the idea of trying to get them all in a level seems, like, you know, like, completely unappealing. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, there's what, like... There's six six gems. Yeah, Yeah. six gems in each level, which is, like, fun. And, like, the floors are small enough uh, for the most part that it's the idea of going back to find them is fun. Yeah. Some of them are really cool. Uh, there's one in, uh, I don't know if you would have gotten this one. I got quite a bit of them. I, I was probably missing like an average of like two on each floor, two or three. Yeah. I would say that like on in as a summation, I probably found 75% of them totally on my own. Mm-hmm. 24% of them with the help of that, uh, gem the gem find. finder and then one percent and i think the grand total was like three maybe four that i just looked up because they were asking me to do something that was insane yeah um but there are a couple of really cool ones like there's one in uh the mastery suites where you have to like there's a book in a hidden room on the bottom floor of a of a room mm-hmm. and you if you pick it up it's like an en- encyclopedia and if you carry it back up to where the rest of them are you like slot it in to complete the collection uh there's another where you pull a block out from a wall and then you have guiji jump into it like it's a mario brothers brick Mm. and it shoots out coins and then the last one is a gem that's pretty good yeah like there are a lot of like neat little ones that have really interesting puzzles associated with them Mm -hmm. and yeah it mm, it also helps I uh, see. I don't want to get into like base mechanics when we're probably fairly close to a break now. Yeah. But it, it it helped me play the main game in a more like aware way, um, which really helps with like I don't know, like the puzzles feel more natural when you know what you're looking for, mm-hmm. uh, and that kind of thing. Like I don't know, it was enjoyable. It was an enjoyable experience, and I really liked it. Um, the one thing I wanted to mention is you said the plant room. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever the atrium, I think you called it. Yeah. Is a really linear space because it's just a climb. Mm-hmm. That's another thing that I think that the pacing gets wrong where the first two thirds of the game are like spaced out like exploration floors linear floors and then floors that are just boss fights essentially and i liked that pacing and then the end was just like 
four in a row, like linear boss fight, linear boss fight. And that was like the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And I, I wished that there was, I kind of wish there were either like two less floors or two more floors that were like uh, the dance floor or the unnatural history museum that were just big room boss fight. And he just wanted to trim a little bit of time here and there, but keep the extra uh, exploration areas intact. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I agree with that. If you would have put me in charge, I would have cut two floors so that there were 13 of them, <laughs> uh, which seems like the obvious thing to do. That is true, yeah. Um, or, like, renumber them. Like, we have, like, basement one and basement two. Probably don't need to have those. Nah. Uh, but, yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree with that, that pacing thing. Like, when it was starting to get towards the end. I didn't really mind that there was, they increased the amount of just, like, boss fight floors and things but yeah there is there is definitely fat on this game that probably should have been trimmed you want to talk about the lean parts of this game after a break after the break yes all right we will do let's go (laughs) let's go Welcome back. Let's talk about Kooigi. <laughs> uh, so I do want to talk about the mechanics of this game, because I think this is where the design really shines. And I do actually want to talk about Gooigi. Mm-hmm. But before we talk about Gooigi, we have to talk about Gooigi, which is a great mechanical implementation. I think Luigi is fantastic and really adds to what like the base game play is capable of. Luigi though is vile. <laughs> and I realized that this was like very briefly a meme about Luigi being kind of gross. Uh-huh. But Guiji is very incredibly gross. It's a bad word. Like, I feel like I would discipline a child for saying this word. And then, in addition to that, everything about Guiji's design is just, like, it's really good. Like, he really feels like a being made of gelatin. Mm-hmm. But, who boy. <laughs> it's like... The slimy sound effects of him, like, going through a grate. and yeah, like, like, rubbery. Yeah, every time he went through one of those green pipes, it made me, like, gag. <laughs> this horrible, gross, slithery sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, like, on the exact opposite page. Like, <laughs> I don't think Luigi's gross at all and kind of absolutely love it well you also wanted to eat the bugs in the lion king true yeah (laughs) i think guiji has a similar effect to the juicy lion king bugs but he's not even i feel like he's not even really rendered like he's slimy like he really does just kind of feel like he's made of some kind of like solid and like i don't know like he's been in a mold but he doesn't look drippy or like he's oozing or anything. <laughs> that is true. He's not an oozing slime. Mm-hmm. He looks more. He's more like flubber. Yeah, he's got a flubber feel to him yeah. for sure. Uh, 
less Nickelodeon slime, m- more flubber. <laughs> more flubber. Uh, it's just, I don't know. I think it's the sound design that really does it for me. Mm-hmm. Like, where it just, he, it, like, from his footsteps to the sound he makes when he, like, impacts things. Yeah, see, to me, it came off, like, as I said, rubbery sounds. Like, it never sounds like anything that's, like... <laughs> Like, like, you know, like the, like, g- gross, like, what you would imagine if they were like, hey, like, make me some foley for this goo creature. Mm-hmm. It's so much, like, more tame than it could have been. Yeah, it's not like, because, like, if somebody showed me Gooigi, specifically one of my favorite moments, Gooigi moments, there's a, a puzzle, which I think is a good puzzle overall, in the uh, castle area where you get on an elevator and you have to send somebody down while keeping the other person at the top to control the elevator going up and down. Uh, And if you put Luigi on the elevator, he goes down the elevator and gets out of the elevator. When you put Gooigi on the elevator, he, like, like, as the elevator trembles as it moves down, he's, like... Wobbles. Yeah, and, like, squashing down and, like, being all wacky and shit. Mm-hmm. And I love that. Like, I think that they did such a good job of conveying his bonelessness. <laughs> yeah, like, I remember when they announced this game, or when they put out, like, the first initial trailer or whatever seeing it and them talking about Gooigi in it. Like, it had, like, this voiceover of this, like, guy, like, mm-hmm. very commercial-sounding voice. Uh, he was like, oh, Gooigi can do this, and it melts in the water. Uh, <laughs> and not in your mouth. Yeah, hopefully. Um, but um, he is not actually made of gelatin. Um, but... <laughs> Um, I, it just, it seemed so goofy. I'm like, that's so Nintendo. Like, I love mm. that. Like, Gooigi. Uh, it speaks for itself. But, um, <laughs> I did not, somehow, he's even on the box of yeah. the game. But I somehow didn't expect him to be as big of a part of it as he is. Like, once you get him, the amount of puzzles that utilize him is at least 50%. Like, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah, Guiji is very present throughout. And if I have any complaints about Guiji, it is just that the method that you use to activate him it sucks. It's just as bad. It feels bad to double-click sticks because they're, like, tough buttons to press. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to do it. Like, you have to... I don't know how to describe this. When you want the controller to melt away when you're designing a game, uh, like a Gooigi in water, um, but instead you have to like really think hard that you're about to click in an analog stick because it's just such an unnatural thing to do. Yeah, I didn't really mind controlling him that way. But, like The one thing that I felt friction with was whenever you wanted to dismiss him, you had to double-click it. Mm-hmm. Um, and there would be times where I would, like, double-click it, and it would just switch me. Like, if it... um, I think it was, like, if you just did something with Gooigi, and then there was, like, a little, like, animation of something happening, and, like, you double-clicked it right away after it, it would just switch you. Like, it wouldn't register both the clicks or something to that effect. Yeah. Because it happened a lot, and that was the only thing that really annoyed me about it. 
Uh, yeah, you're not wrong about that either. Like, I, it's barely worth mentioning, but like those mandatory little animations, I thought got a little bit old after a while. Like, As I knew you would. Yeah, there's like there's an acceptable amount of that to do, but there's also like a this it kind of is like the exhaustion animations in Harvest Moon for me, uh-huh. where it's like. I don't feel like I've earned Luigi being like, I did it, mm-hmm. when I defeat three basic normal ghosts. Yeah, it's like every enemy encounter. Yeah, like every time that the, the game like locks you out of areas, it, when you complete that fight, you get an animation. And every puzzle completion, and like picking up this game's equivalent of superstars, which are the uh, the the elevator buttons... That makes sense. Totally should have an animation there. Mm-hmm. But, like, what happens is you, like, defeat an enemy. You get an animation. You walk through a door. You get an animation, like a cutscene. You fight a boss. You get an animation for beating the boss. You pick up the elevator button. You get an animation for picking up the elevator button. And then you go back, and there's a cutscene of you, the same cutscene every time of you trying to put the elevator button in the panel and it getting sucked out of your hands. Mm -hmm. And it would just, it would annoy me less if it was less repetitive. Yeah. Like I agree. The ones after just like the enemy encounters should just be cut. Yeah. Cause especially when the ghosts drop money and things and it's all sitting there on the ground. You have to wait for the animation to play. And you're like, I hope that gold doesn't disappear before I can suck it up. I can confirm that it does stop time when you do oh, that. Oh, it does. Yeah, because I had a piece of gold blinking and mm. then it went into that and it stopped blinking. Oh, see, I could have swore that they kept blinking every time for me, but... Maybe they... I experienced a glitch when yeah. I was looking for it. That's possible. I could also just be wrong, but um, yeah, that that sort of thing bugs me. Uh, like when there's a reason you would want to stay in control and, mm-hmm. and it, it, it doesn't let you. Yeah. It's a little bit weird like that. Um, but that's really it. I think all the other animations, generally speaking, are earned and good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. uh, minor, it, minor complaint. Yeah. I think a lot of it can just depend on the pace of play as well. Like you want as infrequent of interruptions as you can have. Like, even though the one with the elevator stands out because you had to watch it 15 times, I understand why that one's there. Mm-hmm. And it's at a place where, like, you get in the elevator and you're, like, prepared for, like, a load screen. So it doesn't bother you in that instance because uh, you expect to not have control there. Right. But, like, yeah, I think we don't need to celebrate every enemy encounter. Like, maybe that made sense in the original when yeah. it was a much smaller game. But it doesn't work here. I do love that when you recall Gooigi, there's like a 0.01 second long delay so that he gives you a thumbs up mm-hmm. before he gets sucked back into the, the backpack. And I think that's really good and gave Gooigi a lot of character. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is weird to say about, like, a uh, barely sentient pile of slime. Yeah, it's it's fun because he, ordinarily, he's kind of just like a robot where, like, he has no emotion or anything. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, just throwing that in there is like a, th- like, it feels like Egad's thumbprint on his invention. Right. <laughs> it's, it's interesting because, like. I've programmed him to give a thumbs up. <laughs> 
<laughs> like most of the time, except in specific canned things, Guigi and Luigi can't do and do things at the same time. Like mm-hmm. Luigi goes into a a coma. Yeah, but then in the end credit sequence. They're, like, building a hotel, and Guigi just seems to be doing his own thing. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe he, like, was granted sentience by his creator, and there's, like, a whole personhood discussion we need to have here. Maybe it's the, um, whoever's using the poltergeist is the one that gets put into the comatose state. Like, maybe Egad summoned that Guigi. That, yeah. Well, then wouldn't it be a Eguad? I, d- I don't think it. My understanding was that it, it's just a goo Luigi. Like I don't think it would change form based on who used the thing. So like he made it because he says like he made an assistant and he said, but who better? He would choose Luigi. Yeah, he would just make it Luigi. That yeah. makes sense. That that really fucks up my fan fiction <laughs> plans for uh, a future game featuring Waguigi. Ooh. <laughs> that's that's so many steps too far but i i I, i'm i'm here for it yeah i think i think waguigi needs to be in the works immediately just like the next mario kart game like don't even put guigi in just put waguigi (laughs) or like mario tennis or whatever Mm mm-hmm yeah it's like waluigi and he's just carrying around like a a He's just carrying around a jar of like blackberry jam. <laughs> he like opens. Oh, it up, it's purple, and a purple Waguigi gu- gu- jumps out. And wa and Waguigi is drippy and gross. <laughs> <laughs> yep, we've solved it again. Nintendo, come on, Waguigi, where's the Waluigi VR game? Yeah. So uh, <laughs> whenever you make Luigi's Mansion 4, which should be called Luigi's Castle, it should be a haunted castle, mm-hmm. uh, it's the next logical step. Well, Put in Waguigi. We already have established in this series, Luigi's Mansion mm-hmm. is called Louis- Luigi's Mansion. It's called Louisiana. It's called Luigi's Mansion <laughs> takes place in a mansion. Uh-huh. Dark Moon called Louis- Luigi's Mansion takes place in a mansion. Multiple. In multiple mansions. Luigi's Mansion 3, called Luigi's Mansion, takes place in a hotel. We're we're fucked. It's Luigi's Mansion from here on out. Yeah, it'll be Luigi's Mansion 4, but set it in a castle. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Luigi's Mansion 4, colon, the castle one. (laughs) (laughs) Castle past. Castle past. Um, Anyway, what were we talking about? Uh, Gameplay. (laughs) Gooigi. Okay, What's so the fun factor? The best, uh, the fun factor is 10. Um, <laughs> but um, the best thing, or at least my favorite thing they do with Gooigi is the um, the movie studio floor. Or you have to like operate the cameras with Luigi and then have Gooigi like run around the little like right. CG set. Yeah, no, I remember it. I'm trying to think if that is also my favorite. It's like... It's the most creative Yeah, it's probably the most unique thing they do with him. And I I do appreciate that. I I also loved... This isn't the time to talk about this specifically, but um, Guigi's implementation in the 
I'm just gonna call it the re- the true final boss fight with uh, Helen Gravely. Yeah, is great. Like I I liked it was giving me flashbacks to. And I'm going to say trying to play uh, The World Ends With You mm. and how I felt like I could not, like, manage both layers. Uh, that was, like, to me, I thought that was, like, the perfect capstone to the, like, Gooigi mechanic set. Yeah, I agree. 100%. Uh, but, yeah, I think most unique, most creative is the movies. Like, putting Gooigi on camera as, like, a gag mm-hmm. is, a, is great. It's a good, good call. It would be really funny because he's green if they did something with that, like green screen. <laughs> like green screen. Yeah. <laughs> but um, that if would... only this game was set in the real world and they could just like <laughs> map George Clooney over it or something. <laughs> uh, but one of my favorite little secret things um, that you can do, and it might just be one of my favorites because it's maybe one of the only things that. Uh, like cool secret things that I found, but um, is the director just gives you the uh, the elevator button, yeah, and so you don't have to kill him or suck him up, whatever, deal with him. Uh, but if you do, you can just right then and there, and you get in a little achievement for it. Yeah, I just thought that was fun. It, it, if you don't, though, you can go back later, and he'll show you the movie. Like he'll finish editing it. I thought that might be the case, and I'm mad that I did suck him up because mm-hmm. I would like to go back and see that movie. Because uh, I thought I did a really good job. <laughs> uh, Pats for Patrick. <laughs> but because like it was a, uh, like it seemed like it was a cool, interesting thing to do, mm-hmm. I captured him anyway yeah uh, i thought that might be the case but i didn't actually check so i'm glad that i have confirmation that i fucked up now <laughs> um so i just mentioned there i just wanted to talk about this briefly i don't know how interesting it is necessarily but um there are little achievements in this for just doing things like that another one that i got was like there's a pool table on one floor and if you like suck all of the pool balls into the pockets you get a little achievement thing pop up. And I just think that's interesting because Nintendo, there's been a number of Nintendo games that have like in-game achievements, but they've never implemented an achievement system like on one of their consoles. So I just find that kind of interesting um, that they kind of flirt with it, but they never really like do uh, like commit to it. Um, and But and I actually thought the ones in this game were really well implemented. Like, my stance on achievements is I think too many developers just hate them and put in really boring ones, whereas... Completed I, chapter one. Yeah, and, and I think it's because they have to put them in, so I understand, like, the negative attitude. Yeah. But I, I think it's kind of a wasted opportunity in a lot of games where you could actually make creative ones and actually, like, reward players for going out of their way and doing things that not everyone would think to do like capture the movie director or play billiards, I think is what it's called. Um, yeah. I, I think that's fun. So yeah, just I wanted to call that stuff out. And it is like, it's a game by game thing. Like Luigi's Mansion having achievements is not the place is not reason enough for us to have the overarching achievement discussion. Mm-hmm. But I think that, they can be done in cool ways, and but the game has to allow for it, and the yeah. game has to come before exactly your yeah. like idea of what achievements should be. So, 
I agree with that. I think that this is an instance of Nintendo completely missing the point of achievements <laughs> uh, for t- 15 years now. Yeah. Where, like, the achievements as a thing, yes, give you, like, a dopamine rush when you get them, but this game doesn't explain that they're in the game at all mm-hmm. uh you i did find out how to look at them they're in, under the log if you call and talk to egad which i never did <laughs> me neither uh so that's that is where you go to find them but the game doesn't announce them at all and also the major point of achievements as far as i'm aware is just to show other people how good you are at the game uh even though it's like meaningless at this point, like not all the time, some achievements are like still really difficult achievements to get, mm-hmm. but there are guides out there for achievements. And so if you do something that's like, do this weird, obscure thing, people are just going to get it because once somebody does, they put it online. But it has a gamer score or a trophy mm-hmm. score attached to it, and it counts up in a little thing in your profile. And somebody, oh, this guy's completed a lot of his games. They never said about my PlayStation profile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and because of that, like, I feel like the fact that they hide them, don't display them anywhere. Like, it's pointless to the large majority of players that the achievements are in this game. But I agree with you. I thought that the ones that they implemented were pretty cool. Yeah. The full list is more boring than you'd think, though. <laughs> I looked it up. Like, there are, like, 10 or 12 that are really cool. And then, like, all the other ones are, like, get to X floors in Scarescraper uh, and complete the gems stuff. on every yeah. Uh, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you that that is what achievements are for, for the most part. But I've... I don't engage with things in that way. I don't like to complete things. I don't care if people think I'm awesome and great for getting lots of achievements. So I'm much more on the on the page of like the cool, fun ones in this game. So it's almost kind of why I'm curious to see how Nintendo would do achievements if they implemented them, because I feel like they might actually do achievements in a way that I care about at all. Right. But Nintendo even has... Okay, so, all right, maybe this is the place that we're going to have this conversation. <laughs> Nintendo has a thing that they very rarely use. They use it in all of their mobile games. Uh-huh. Uh, so take all of this with a grain of salt. Uh, they have a points program. The gold points, which are just money that you get for buying games, and you use those gold points to pay for other games mm-hmm. uh, at a conversion rate of one gold to one cent. It's Pretty non-predatory, normal, regular business practice, which I'm always surprised to see. Uh-huh. Uh, and I like that. I think it's fine. It is generally a thing I'm okay with. Then they have platinum points. And platinum points are a lot more nebulous <laughs> as to what it is that they're used for. They are used, in my experience, to download fucking wallpapers and shit from their mm. website and to unlock certain things in their mobile games and you get them by completing tasks in those games they could easily make the platinum points a console tied feature and use it to unlock us like aesthetic changes uh in the way that the 3ds had themes yeah like i think that that would be nintendo's way of getting into the achievement market if they wanted to but 
I don't know how difficult it is. I don't know if they would have to require achievements from every game. Right. I don't necessarily know that I want that. But no. It's something. It's something's there. And I don't know if they could implement it this light in, like, the Switch's right. life cycle. It, but... It's even got a light and a dark theme, like most things do, like the bare minimum. Mm-hmm. And as far I feel like I'm the only person that I know that's actually switched it from white to black. <laughs> um so like, I don't know if a lot of people even know that that's a thing, but like I always anticipated that it they'd at least put in a couple, like maybe like a Mario one. Yeah. Or but nope, it's still just uh, <laughs> light and dark. It does feel like like in Mario Maker Two, there's like a a thing where you switch that uh your game theme and it's like super mario brothers super mario brothers 3 and then there's a thing that says other game styles and (laughs) it's just it's a box that's the width of two things and it has one item in it and then they said this is the last update and they never added another one so they put a plural word styles (laughs) there and then the ui looks like it's gonna have two things and it never did that feels like what happened with the themes. Yeah. Like, they were like, let's put the themes menu in. But it's like an embarrassment, because my 3DS, <laughs> which is 10 years old, 12 years old, I don't know how old the DS is, pretty old, mm-hmm. has, like, when I turn my 3DS on, the top screen is a picture of Samus Aran, and when I move the the cursor along the side of the screen, she runs, and it plays the Metroid theme, and that cost me, like, 49 cents. Mm-hmm. Like, it's so cool for very little, like, implementation cost. Yeah. Like, I don't understand why themes aren't a thing in the, the Switch eShop at this yeah. point. My only guess would be that they had plans for it, but they ended up taking longer to implement the online and, like, other things until, like, you know, what, two years in. And I feel like they have been looking ahead to, like, doing a like an updated version of the console as what the rumors are. So like maybe they just decided at some point it's been too long. <laughs> we'll just do this for the next like console that we're going to have. Like that, j- just cut yeah. it. <laughs> that seems likely at this point. Yeah. And they have at least two to make it seem like maybe that's all they planned. Uh-huh. Uh, this has been like a 2017 era. No clip diversion. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so let's, let's get back. Uh, to where we once be- belonged. Yeah, mechanics. Yeah. Uh, vacuum cleaners. What do you think about them? Uh, uh, like, I, as somebody who did not play the original game more than, like, a couple of minutes at Toys R Us, um, <laughs> I was really surprised how much of this stuff wasn't in the original game. I just kind of assumed it was. Like the especially the way just like vacuuming up ghosts works like i could have swore you did the bashing thing in the original game like i thought i I remembered it that way but nope you just kind of suck them up and i was like that seems weird like it just seems like such a natural thing that you suck them up you catch the tail and then you whip them around right uh but yeah that like the plunger works really well i think that was introduced in dark moon uh the little jump move is cool like all the all like your verb set, like all your little moves you can do, all feel really good for their main purposes, and then also have utility for like puzzle solving. Like the consistency with the mechanics and how like you interact with the game world with them 
is really great and almost makes me think of something like a 3D Mario where you have something like a hub world where you run around and like you select levels with the same way that you would play a level, you know, like they've turned the level select into a level, AKA a hub world. <laughs> That's what they are. But like, it's, it feels like it's on that level of integration. Like it just feels really natural and just good to play in that way. Yeah. I I do like, I have the strongest appreciation for the fact that every, item that you have like each tool in your toolkit plays at least double duty like the the strobe bulb is used to freeze ghosts and also to like activate panels your plunger can be used in a whole bunch of different ways but mostly like you can take things out of enemies hands but you can also team up with guiji to like pull things apart with it uh and shit like that so it works in combat and out of combat the dark light similarly you can find ghosts with it in addition to being able to reveal hidden objects your suck and blow uh like vacuum verbs Mm -hmm. are you are like the glue that holds everything in the game together so they have a bunch of uses in in both combat and out of combat the like blow actually maybe does not really ever come up in combat but I think I can let that one slide. The little jump move? No, like holding L. Oh, it's a, <laughs> you, you blowing things away. Yeah. The jump move mostly is used when there's like a set piece reason to in yeah. combat, but otherwise... You can yeah. do other, some other stuff with it. Yeah. You can like blow people back. Oh, they use it to knock off like sunglasses and hats yeah. and shit. So mm-hmm. yeah, I forgot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So everything that you have has like a bunch of different uses and... One, it keeps the tension active where you are trying to figure out what combination of abilities makes sense to use in any given situation. And also it makes you feel like with very little like controller real estate and like visual design mess, they've given you a ton of tools to work with in a way that I'm really impressed by. Like it feels very compact. Mm -hmm. Luigi is a Swiss army knife in this game. Yeah, and it's, um, there's a lot of, um, stuff you probably won't even, not maybe not a lot, but there are a handful of things you probably won't even realize you can do. Like, I beat the game without realizing you can just use the dark light to reveal ghosts when they go invisible. Mm-hmm. Makes total sense that you can do that, but, like, just, like, in the heat of combat, like, I never thought to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, there's, like, a logic there to, like, how all the things work, and it's, like, layered and like as you said you can use the little jump move to blow sunglasses off dudes but you can also just suck them off with the vacuum right so like there's multiple different ways to do things and it's just like very well like the the base mechanics are just really well thought out and implemented yeah and they actually i'm impressed and also a little bit taken aback by how little the game tells you um a lot of stuff you're left to figure out on your own, but I do feel like <laughs> there are a couple of things. I feel like the developers played through this game feeling very self-conscious when they were quality testing it, because there are definitely times when Gad gives you fucking no chance to figure something out on your own, and he just jumps in. He's like, wow, Luigi, by the way, did you know that if you do X and Y, like, this will happen? It's like... I probably could have figured that out, like, for not that long from now. Uh, 
and he'll like jump in with hints and shit. But then I also felt kind of bad about turning the the hints off because sometimes there was shit I just straight didn't pick mm. up on at all. I must have turned the hints off because I don't remember him doing that. Ever jumping in? Yeah, yeah you might have. Uh, it's a setting I didn't realize was in the game until uh. about t- the 12th floor. <laughs> wow. Uh, I would recommend turning it off then because I didn't really have any hiccups, really. Mm. Uh, but the other thing is the game doesn't tell you about the game proper like it doesn't explain like what it is that you're doing and like how it's it's how it works like you start collecting massive amounts of cash very early in the game and the game doesn't tell you what to do with it or give you a reason for collecting it other than it feels good to do yeah the physics are cool and you're like sucking up dollar bills and stuff uh and so you don't end up getting the the shop until like floor six like it's pretty early on i thought but i might be wrong uh, it's it's like it's it is early in the game but it's way later than any other shop in any game i've ever played that's fair uh so there's like there's that element to it and then in addition as i mentioned i got all the gems and all the booze and i finished the game and then it was like, congratulations, rank C. Ooh, I got rank B. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, what the fuck else did you want me to do? I, I From what I, I only barely looked into this, but I think it's the amount of money you collect. You are, well, no, you're mostly correct. It's okay. the amount of money you have at the end of the game. Ah. So specifically, it rewards you for not, Buying all of the gem finders and boo finders, uh, as well as any golden bones yeah. that you choose to forgo. I did not spend any money in this game. Well, then it makes no sense to me how you didn't get an A rank. I felt the same way. Because yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I felt the game was easy enough that I was never tempted to buy a gold bone, mm-hmm. and I didn't care about getting all the gems or boos. Right. So. For the first, like, six boos, I thought you had to get the boo finder in order to find them. Mm -hmm. That's not the case. You just have to leave the floor and come back, which I was incidentally doing before I would buy a boo finder. Uh... And I was like, ah. And then I put it together eventually, like, oh, right. Uh, The game doesn't explain that either. The boos don't spawn until you leave. Right. I did not bother with much boo hunting. Yeah. They're, they are the worst collectible mm-hmm. of the two collectibles, but they just like, they're the same every time. So it's not really all that interesting, mm-hmm. uh, but they're very quick and easy to get. So I couldn't excuse myself from doing yeah, it. Yeah. They just, they don't really just, they just don't feel like anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like you don't get anything for the gems, but they feel like a, like a shiny thing you get for like. They feel like a classic, like, puzzle reward. You get a cool, shiny gem. Yeah. Like a trophy. <laughs> uh, but then, like, the booze is just kind of like, okay, does this tie into the the villain? Is King Boo? Does this have some kind of significance? N- n- no. Not really, no. Uh, like, it just doesn't feel like... They feel like there's a piece missing there. Yeah. It's just like another row in the yeah. gallery they it's, wanted to yeah, fill out. Just another thing to do. <laughs> I do want to say... Uh, I love how quickly the game gives up on 
having gems that look like real gems. Oh, like, there yeah. are a million different cuts of gems in the real world. And there are, like, three floors where the gems are regular gems. Yeah, I mean, they don't think they wanted them to look like real gems. They but just it puts that look... idea in your head. You're like, oh, the first one I got was a diamond. Right. And then it's like, oh, it's like an emerald shape. And then it's like, now it's a wrench? <laughs> yeah. Now it corresponds to whatever the floor is. Yeah. Which I guess, like, Lobby doesn't have, like, a strong thematic yeah. thing they could have tied it around. I just thought it was amusing that, like, they just... It was, like, three floors in. They're like, all right, now you're collecting dragon's feet. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just cool. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Another thing the game doesn't tell you, and a thing that does actually tie back into mechanics, the optimal way to defeat ghosts in this game is to not slam them until like the last moment or at least until you have like a like a good chance of killing them instantly when you slam them yeah to keep them in the vacuum as long as possible right and also the slam has a rhythm element to it which i never knew Mm. until after i'd beaten the game it doesn't explain that and I always just mashed the A button when it told me to mash the A button. Mm. And it worked well enough that I just didn't think about it. But yeah, I probably like added phases to bosses and additional like fights that I just didn't need to. I also didn't explicitly know that, but feel like I just naturally hit the button in time with the slams. I guess that would make some amount of sense. Yeah. The, the, apparently you can get up to like seven in one Mm. and mine was consistently four every single time. Like 80 was the health point that I would try to get to before I started the slam. Yeah. And you can also control like the direction that you slam in, Mm -hmm. which is something I didn't realize for a while. Yeah. Which lets you like hit other ghosts. Mm -hmm. There's a lot to this combat system and it's kind of a shame that the enemy variety doesn't really make the most of it. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's definitely more to it than the game gets into. Like, I don't know how deep necessarily it would go, but yeah, it is. I don't know. In my, my perception of Luigi's mansion was that like the combat, which is kind of like an extra thing like that you had because games usually have like combat systems Mm -hmm. and like it was always supposed to be like a casual element i don't know if big luigi's mansions fans feel that way but like it never felt like the focus to me yeah the one thing that this game shares that the original game had as far as combat goes was an emphasis on bosses but the bosses both in luigi's mansion and in three serve more as puzzles than they do as actual combat challenges Mm -hmm. and i think because of that it's very i think you're right to say that at least in the original luigi's mansion combat wasn't a focus it was mostly about puzzles and there were just like fewer ghosts overall in that game Mm -hmm. uh it was more about exploration and traversal, as mansion games tend to be. Yeah. Hotel games are going to be more <laughs> arcadey by de- by definition. Like, uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know, elevator action. It's <laughs> trying to come up with some kind of example to back up my bogus hotel game claim. <laughs> but mansion games, well, all about the exploration. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> just gonna let you drown in that ocean you've mm-hmm. created 
I tried. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah. Do you want to talk about the bosses? Because I think that that's... Uh, <laughs> I think that's a natural in the game. thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like I liked them, but I don't feel like any of them really wowed me other than... Uh, What's her name? Gravely. Oh, yeah. The what should have just been the final boss. Yeah, the King Boo fight. We'll talk about. <laughs> yeah, we should save that. Yeah, but it doesn't. It feels more like a traditional video game boss fight uh-huh. than any of the other bosses in the game do. Uh, yeah, but yeah, like the the true final boss of of Hel- Helen or Helena mm-hmm. Gravely is like this game's boss for yeah. sure because like she's set up as like she's the owner of the hotel and she's set up as the villain and like i hate it that nintendo always does this so they're like here's a new villain but then they just get swapped out for like the main villain of right. the series like oh now it's actually king boo i was like you didn't need to do that like nope. helen gravely was cool like that was the that should have just been the final boss of this game yeah we don't need another we don't need to fight king boo after that make him a secret boss make it so you had to get all the boos then king boo will show up and you fight him and it's a secret thing if you if you have to have him in there yeah and don't make him the mastermind yeah. basically like helena gravely is a character that we heretofore know nothing about like yeah. he, to totally introduce new in this in this game which means that you can give her any excuse to hate super mario brothers characters at anything at all like she's a good buddy of bowser's or something like <laughs> anything to do and not only that but it's a mario game and nobody gives a fuck about the lore even though we talked about it for 10 minutes at the beginning of the uh-huh. podcast like you can just do whatever you want with it so mm. it sucks that yeah she gets overshadowed yeah just lean into that shit create a new cool character and then maybe someday she'll get put in smash brothers or something but <laughs> yeah, no we just King like Boo. rosalina that yeah. actually did happen right yeah. like but anyway i digress <laughs> i'm just not i just don't like it when they do that but uh no i think the we already talked about it a little bit but like the the element of having to like summon Gooigi to shut off like the laser beams or whatever they are uh, down below the ground and then it starts adding in like water will go through it so you have to like uh really like split your attention between what's going on with luigi and Gooigi to beat her is really well done mm-hmm. it's like just the right level of complexity where like unlike um the world ends with you i was able to actually consciously control both things yeah, it's a lot simpler than in World Ends With You, because World Ends <laughs> With You is asking for, like, simultaneous input. And, and a whole bunch of them. Yeah, and this is... <laughs> yeah, you have to do it so often. And then in this game, it's just, like, do... You're able to, like, position them where you can switch back and forth. Right. And then the only thing you have to pay attention to are the colored grids moving mm-hmm. and uh, and Gravely herself, who attacks pretty infrequently. So. Yeah. They did a really good job of balancing it, I thought. Like, yep. it, it was hard when you started it, and multiple tries just made you sort of, like, get it. Mm-hmm. And you it, it eventually became, like, you would get a, a thing down. It's the way that a final boss should work. Yeah. And it should have been the final <laughs> boss. Um, I'm trying to think of any others that I found memorable. I found, I thought... Did you like the ghost shark? 
I did like the ghost ship. One of my favorite bosses. Actually. That one was pretty good. That one and the one with the guy in the pool. Well, I found that one kind of annoying. That one was one of the harder puzzle bosses. Yeah, he. It felt okay. So there are two bosses <laughs> that I consider to be like bad, and well, and also King Boo, but like bad in a different way. Uh-huh. Uh The two main bosses that I don't that I think are bad designs are the Egypt boss, the Sand Head. And uh, the swimming pool guy, because they are just hard to read. Mm. Like it's difficult to tell what's happening and what is working on them. Mm-hmm. And the pool boss, I think I did to myself. Maybe I was like prepared to come in here and be like, "Fuck this boss! It's dumb, and I don't like it." Uh. He just like whenever you try and do something you think is clever, the game alters itself to deny you that Uh so you have to do it in its prescribed way but as it turns out it was my fault uh so whenever you as gooigi start to move toward the back of the room he will pop out from pretty much wherever the fuck he is and spit water at you Mm -hmm. and it's not like in a way that you can avoid it unless you're within like one inch of cover Uh uh-huh so it's pretty clear that you had to distract him and when I first started the match, the first thing I did was shoot a volleyball at him. Mm-hmm. And I went right through him. And I was like, okay, he's a ghost. He's intangible to volleyball. So I'll skip that. Uh, he isn't. <laughs> the, the, the volleyballs stun him. And the, se- the first time that I ever stunned him, uh, I just won. Like, I beat the boss yeah. at that very moment. But I didn't know that you could and spent ten minutes trying to get him to do the thing where he, like, goes up. Yeah. And throw the ball and run Guiji's slow ass around the corner right. uh, in enough time to actually drain the pool. And it was immensely frustrating. I had a somewhat similar experience, which might have even been hindered by the fact that I was able to avoid the water with like a decent amount of frequency. Like if you get Guiji up to like a full run mm-hmm. before he starts spitting it, you do outrun it. Um, but so I, I probably spent a little bit more time trying to get that to work <laughs> than I would have otherwise. But, uh, yeah, like it, it really did seem like you just needed him to be distracted by Luigi over here. And then you could sneak over with Gooigi and like, uh, drain the pool or whatever it was. Yeah, like, all of his body language. Like, he does the thing where he, like, but he'll, looks back he'll and forth. But instantly switch to you if you move Gooigi out of cover. Yeah, it's fucked. Like, just the the actual telegraphing of everything. It just feels wrong. Yeah. Need a little more time in the oven. Mm-hmm. He doesn't look like you can hit him with a volleyball. That <laughs> isn't what I would have guessed from looking at it. Um... The other one that stands out in my mind is the one in the uh, atrium level where we use the buzzsaw to cut the plant. Mm-hmm. I thought that was cool. Like using, they introduced that little saw and it's really satisfying to use. And uh, it, it, I liked that they incorporated it into the boss. And like, I don't know, it felt so satisfying to cut through things with it that I wouldn't be surprised if we get a Luigi's Mansion 4 if it had like a buzzsaw attachment or something. <laughs> it's just like a regular It's like thing. an upgrade. Yeah, because that was just, it was fun. It adds to like that physics-based vacuuming. Like it fits right in. Uh, with, with Now the environments are destructible and you can just cut shit down. Like it just fits, I yeah. think. 
one of the things they added in this game, I think, because once again, I didn't play Dark Moon, mm-hmm. uh, was the super section. Speaking of destructible oh, environments, yeah, that gets used once, and if you go for all gems three times, uh-huh. it doesn't. It does add two additional times, but it still feels like a very unnecessary upgrade. Yeah, it's something I hadn't even thought about until we were talking here. Um, when we were talking about mechanics earlier, I was like, oh, yeah, you get, like, the super section. And you really, you only used it to get into that one spot. Right. Like, I I expected that to come into play in, like, a boss fight or something. Nope. It sure feels like it. Nope, you just blow away that chip facade, and that's it. And that's it. The, the two other places that you use it for all gems is are... Uh, <laughs> hashtag all gems. Hashtag all gems. Are in the great stage... You go back, there's like a little panel on the floor that you can pop up, Mm. and it is one of those things, and you pull the curtain and then the whole wall behind it away, and there's an orchestra (laughs) behind it that are all playing instruments, and Uh then you can go in and suck them up. Uh, And then in the dance hall, you can pull the speakers down, and then there's like an office behind it that you can go into and like flip a switch and it lets you get up to the like outside of the area. Interesting. And uh it's all like cool. My issue with it, my first issue which is a dumb issue <laughs> is that it's so fucking loud. Like I had to actually turn the TV down. I mean, admittedly I was playing at like 3 in the morning. Uh-huh. But like the increase in volume from not in that mode <laughs> to in that mode is like eightfold. <laughs> Like, I felt like I was being deafened. Uh, but I do subscribe to the Weezer uh, philosophy of if it's too loud, turn it down. So I just turned it down and was happy <laughs> about it. Uh, the But the other issue is that it's just, like, so... It feels so crazy destructive. It has, like, a theme, mm. and it sounds like a thunderstorm, and the visuals of it have just shit, like, being pulled in from everywhere. It feels like they worked so hard on that to never use it yeah it 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 kind of makes me think of like that it was cut content almost like they had that in mind like a feels like wish fulfillment e like what if you could just make the vacuum super powerful and just rip shit apart (laughs) uh and then they tried to implement it and they were like oh well we can't do this like game wide so like we'll just put it here at the end yeah as as this one off thing, yeah, yeah, it it kind of feels that that way to me, but yeah, no. who knows? Uh, oh, but otherwise, I thought the bosses were good. Yeah, no, I like them too. It just not a lot of them really like stand out in my mind as being like super great or anything. Yeah, they were all kind of like oh, t- too many of them ended up being goobs in costumes yeah a lot a lot of them worked really similarly where it's just like avoid the boss until they do this thing where you you can then flash them and get them yep you know it was just like avoid the boss until the time where they whiff a thing and then you flash them maybe pull an item from them and then do it yeah it's yeah it's very that's i mean that's why the shark boss is so good uh other than just being a shark other than just being a shark uh, is that it also, like, is... I want to say the shark does have an eye patch, and that's his reason that you can't just, like, 
use the strobe bulb on him immediately. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't make any sense because the eye patch is over the elevator button, which he's using as a fake eye. Mm-hmm. So the eye patch isn't stopping anything. Right. It's absolute immersion breaker. <laughs> Zero out of, out of ten. ten. <laughs> but th- that boss, and I mentioned the... Um, uh, when you were playing it, the T-Rex boss. In addition to it being funny to me that there was a T-Rex boss in this game, mm-hmm. uh, before I realized that that wasn't even the wildest thing they were going to go for. Nope. Uh, both, to me, feel like they hark back to like very old, more one-off, arcade video game boss design, where the things that it is asking you to do are totally separate from what you normally do in the game uh, using the vacuum as like a projectile, mm-hmm. which you don't use very much. Uh, and I thought they both succeeded because of it. Like they give me like Donkey Kong country vibes to some extent, like some level of, of creativity to them that is a break in the monotony and feels good. Yeah. No, I would agree with that. They do have like a super Nintendo era kind of vibe to them. Like Mega Man or yeah, yeah, yeah. Donkey Kong or whatever. <laughs> yeah, especially with their boss rooms being so heavily telegraphed. Mm-hmm. Cla- it... Classic video games, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why this big square room? I wonder if something's going to happen. Uh-huh. Um, do you want to talk about King Boo in the end of the game? Yeah. So, I don't know about you, but I found King Boo to be really hard. Yeah, he was horseshit. Yeah, and <laughs> the, the, the reason is... Both the tongue attack, which one? The one where B- he rolls? Both. I thought they were oh. both very hard to avoid. Um, and other than that, it was just shooting him with the bomb was difficult. I don't know if it was the different perspective, like it pulls back, but like aiming it actually at his mouth was really difficult. I thought. I agree. The okay. The, <laughs> I'm so happy to hear you say that because I was gonna come in and complain about this, uh-huh. and I assumed that you were gonna be like. It just snaps to the mouth. Oh, it totally does. It fucking. I mean, it does, but it's not. It, There's something off. Yeah, you want it to snap. You think it's going to snap because that's the way it functions in the rest of the game. Exactly, but it never does when you think it's going to. Yeah, like it might. Just thinking about it, just throwing something out there. I don't know if this is true. Like maybe it only does if his mouth is open. That also could be because that's if you shoot it at him and his mouth's not open, I don't think it goes in. No, it just like blows up. Yeah, yeah. They, there's a lot about King Boo that I think is done wrong. Yeah. There are a couple of cool attack patterns that I don't hate, mm-hmm. but <laughs> the fact that like I thought we had moved beyond the boss that like just randomly chooses an attack pattern and then does it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't evidently. <laughs> And the the fact that didn't the you last... play Blasphemous? <laughs> <laughs> okay, that <laughs> boss was a picture of a boss that they laid over top of the real boss, which was random RNG. number generation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you're right. I, Blasphemous, as we mentioned on the podcast, is a good game that does a lot of things that I thought we were past. Uh-huh. Uh huh. But like, yeah, the the biggest hiccup with it is that when you get to the part where he splits into two and three, you still have to randomly guess the correct one, hit him with a bomb, and at the end of it, they don't give you enough bombs 
to actually do it, they replace bombs with spiders, mm-hmm. which is good, I guess, because they give you health back. Um, yeah, and I feel like yeah, and in the third phase, they put a timer on it, which is yeah. like the biggest fuck you right there. Because <laughs> um, like I never actually put no if I figured out how to tell which boo was the real one. Mm-hmm. Like at first I thought it was whenever he does like the ground pound attack, it was whichever one went first was the one or the one that fell down last and made the shock wave. Right. Was the one that it was real, but that seemed to not be true. Well, they change uh like the shock wave isn't always the last one, mm. which made me doubly suspicious that that was what the tell was. Yeah. But I don't know how you tell which one it is after they go off screen. Yeah, I think it's that the idea, at least in my mind, the idea was for that like round before they, if you like got it wrong and they reshuffled, uh-huh. he would always be in the same place and you just had to figure out which one he was based on that attack. But then I swear he was the middle one and I threw one at the middle one and it didn't work. <laughs> and for, but when I did beat him, he always just ended up being the one on the left so I'm like, is he just always the one on the left? Right. I don't know. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think, but I don't remember. Because uh, 100% of the time that I shot it at one that wasn't on the left, it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know the the. I didn't think that there was a way to tell which one was mm. real. I thought that it was random guessing. Uh, if there I is, like, and we're both being stupid yeah, here, then I've, maybe this deserves more credit. Yeah, I feel like there has to be a way to tell. Yeah. This was actually, though, took me fewer tries than Gravely did, uh, believe it or oh, not. Oh, really? Like, yeah, Gravely only took me two, and this one probably took me like five or six, <sighs> King Boo. Reverse that, and that's me. Uh, I think Gravely took me like four or five and king boo i beat on my uh second yeah like i was sitting down to play like the end of it one night and got to king boo tried him like five times and just was like that's a love luigi's mansion for tonight (laughs) got up the next day and then beat him the first try like one of those classic situations as it goes classic gamer moment yeah like yeah i just it enough of it felt like bullshitty to me like the time limit was really making me mad and it's so long yeah it's a like, four minute time if you if in uh if you lose and having to do it all over it's just like so annoying when uh the first when the time limit came up i was like oh boy time limit time and then uh it <laughs> the first like two of the balls that he threw i think like one of them was one where the bombs were all detonating, mm-hmm. and then the other one was spiders. And I was like, okay, it's survival. I just have to last until the uh... timer is over. I didn't. I died when I was at like two minutes or something. And I was like, oh, no. And then the second time I got to that point, like I realized that you could actually just mm-hmm. do it. I think that there's like a mercy rule in this game of some kind on a lot of the bosses where... Uh, if it seems like you're fucking up a lot, then it'll they... make it easier. Yeah, because yeah. the second time I got to that phase, he like threw bombs, then did two attacks, one of which was the really easy to avoid lightning one, mm-hmm. and then threw more bombs, and then did like one attack, and then threw more bombs. Mm-hmm. Like it was just like it felt like they increased the rate that it would do the, the yeah. vulnerable one. I don't know. Is a bad boss, and I don't like it. 
No, it's not great. Do we have frightened thoughts? I feel like we probably already used that one. There's so many <laughs> F-based words for the horror games. Yeah, fear, frightened. Yeah. Uh, I liked this. Um, I I never played the original, but I always thought it looked interesting. Like it had like a a weird, almost kind of like gritty looking art style. Like it it it's for for Nintendo, for, yeah, for like a GameCube game. Uh, it always stood out as unique, but I never got around to playing it. Dark Moon, I also was interested in playing and just didn't ever get it. I think it's because I didn't have a job at the time, <laughs> you know. Um. But this one, uh, I was watching my sister play it. She got it when it came out, and she was like on like the fifth floor, one of the early floors, and she'd just gotten the dark light, and she was doing a thing, and I'm like, oh, like shine it at that part on the wall, and it like you know, and it was one of the spots where it illuminates something invisible, and I was like, oh, that's so cool, and I was like, sold on playing it after then. Like I just thought that interaction was cool, like the way. It encapsulates what I was saying earlier, like where y- your verb set is really integrated well into just like moving around the game, like how you control it. Uh, and I could tell just by watching somebody that that would be like a fun interaction. Uh, and the game didn't disappoint when I finally got around to playing it like two years later, however long it's been, a year and a half. Um. Yeah, this game looks incredible. I, I think we mentioned it briefly, but I think it bears repeating. Um, the lighting is great. Uh, the aesthetics are really cool. There's a lot of variety, like maybe to the detriment of the game <laughs> by pushing it a little bit too far towards the end. But looks incredible, especially like for a Switch game, for a Nintendo game. I just feel like the scale of it, um, it's more like contained fixed camera kind of game so they really crank up that detail and it just there's a lot of cool details and yeah just the, it's a visual treat <laughs> i will say um so yeah there's a little bit too much padding like there are some negatives it's not perfect um pacing things we said in the first half pacing and padding are probably the biggest uh detractors of this game but overall it's great uh if you can pick it up for halloween or whatever it's a great like uh october game it's yeah and it it has like a nostalgic feel i said it kind of feels like a uh, halloween special or something like it's just the nintendo halloween special mm-hmm. is how i'll put it and so i like this a lot yeah um <laughs> I think we replaced the part of the podcast where I wanted to talk about like sound, well oh, specifically yeah. sound effects, with a like twenty minute discussion about uh, like themes and achievements. But to add on to that, because you mentioned sort of like details, I think is a really strong reason why I like this game. In the end, um, you mentioned the visual details, and we did talk about that a little bit, and I agree. I think that they put a lot of personality in, especially with the physics engine, with the uh, like vacuum mechanic, means that a lot of stuff had to have... St- there, a lot of the floors just had to have a ton of stuff in them. And they didn't... With the like a few exceptions of things that just show up on every floor, they were really consistent and thematic with everything they did, and it made exploring each floor like an interesting time. Uh, 
I mentioned the deformable sand physics I thought was a really good inclusion as like a thing yeah. to do in one level. Gust bellows. Yeah. Flashbacks. <laughs> uh that was really good and the uh just like the the foliage uh in the plant area um it just they they did a lot of stuff to make each floor look unique and in addition to that i'm going to ask you to source a sound effect from your uh uh like the footage that you have if you can find it uh-huh. of i didn't record sound oh none at all no cuz i don't <sighs> use it <laughs> Uh, we should then record a little bit so we can get that clip of the them talking as well. Oh, okay. Um, but the uh, the sound of pulling in like the dark light orbs hmm. is like this. It feels like really unnatural in a way that's good, uh, and just like everything is punctuated in that way. Everything feels like they went a little bit above what you would expect for the sound design. Like we talked about it with Guiji, but I think it's true with like just general ambient sound your footsteps and things like that really sell the atmosphere in this i like the first game better and despite everything i just said uh this game is a really well-made game i like the first game better purely because i haven't played it in almost 20 years (laughs) and nostalgia is just making me think i loved it yeah, it's just, I remember it having this rosy color to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, I have nothing to compare it to that makes sense why I would like the first one more than this one. Uh-huh. But, like, in my head, I feel like I had a super good time playing that game, and I had a pretty good time playing this one. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of, like, th- that's the thing with series like this. They go so long in between their, their entries. Uh, and I think, too... <laughs> wrap this together in a way that makes it feel like actual final thoughts this is a really well-made game with a lot of great attention put into everything that you do from verbs to visuals to uh, audio design which doesn't start with a v uh and all of that comes together into a package that i think i would genuinely recommend to most people who own a switch mm-hmm. and the thing that holds it back is I feel like it was padded out and paced a little bit weird. And I would rather play the 10 hour version of this game that Andy played, (laughs) but get to swap out the bits that I did that I enjoyed with some of the later game stuff that felt like it was like thrown in on top of it. Uh, I'm impressed overall, I think, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it isn't like my favorite thing. It might just be that this style of game isn't like, doesn't quite speak to me the way that it used to uh but i don't know on like a rating scale i'd probably give it like a b type mm-hmm. area yeah it's not gonna blow you away but it is well, like... it will literally do yeah. that with its vacuum cleaner <laughs> <laughs> but it is very solid like it's like above average in quality it just doesn't like stand out in the way that like a lot of nintendo's games do Yes. Thank you for listening to No Clip this week. What are we talking about next time? Next time, I'm going to have to look at the name of the game again because I've already forgotten it. Next time, we're going to be talking about Heaven's Vault and hopefully having Janelle Vickers on. Yes. I don't know if you were saying that to remind me or if you're taking it 
here. Oh, I was just going to take it because I thought it was funny. That works. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it's a game. Like You play as a woman that's like traveling across like a solar system, like rediscovering this dead language as far as I uh, understand it. And I think it's got like a cool visual style where like your character is a sprite, but it's a 3D environment. Found it very eye-catching. It also seems right up Janelle's alley. So we figured, why not do it? for the podcast seems interesting yes uh if my literal absence of its name in my head (laughs) speaks to this at all i don't know almost anything about this game uh but agreed to do it anyway so join us then until that time you can get a hold of us all of our contact information is on our website at noclippodcast.com or on splattershot.pro there you can find links to our youtube our twitter our discord uh which you can join and talk to us about the games maybe you think we're being unfair to king boo uh we say down with the monarchy but maybe mm, i don't know you're more of like more problematic we would say Uh, (laughs) off with his head but i think he's all head so he might just all be head yeah um and you can also find uh on our youtube a playlist containing all of our horror games which we're going to add this to even though it's a little dubious of an inclusion it's spooky it's a halloween game and it gets added to the list fuck you (laughs) (laughs) uh uh, join us next time and join us next year for more Halloween games. But for now, we're going to go back to regular games. <laughs> <laughs> but don't forget to trick that subscribe button <laughs> and treat us with a like. Just squeeze out Gooigi onto that like button. Oh. Let him drip all over I, it. I told you, it sounds <laughs> vile. Slip him into that pipe. <laughs> all the way, and have him slip all the way over to that bell. I thought you were just going to say, all the way in. All the way in. <laughs> and leave trace amounts of him inside of it. <laughs> yep. Uh... Do all that. This is ghoulish. All right, we're done. All right, we're we done. finished it. The podcast is but, done. The podcast is over forever. <laughs> Alexa, delete the podcast. <laughs>